welcome to the Gub Till 5 rest, not wrestling podcast. Fuck, that was, <laughs> that was a slip up. <laughs> welcome to the Gub Till 5 podcast. My name is Max Curtin and my co-host, as always, is Jesse. Carol Baskin's murdered her husband, Benz. Yeah, that's me. Uh, but it's, I feel like it's been ages since we've done one of these. I've forgotten how to do it. What do you mean? We've done like 80 of these. I know, but it feels weird today. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we've been home so much that, like, this is normally something I come home to. Do you know what I mean? And it's true. I'm, I'm not, I haven't done that. I, I always have to get out of a weird state of mind because in my job I do podcasts, but I do, you know, real podcasts, not what you and me do, where we dick about and make inappropriate jokes. I actually have to be a professional. Insanity so, screamed into a microphone. <laughs> so to do the switch of going from like, yes, I agree that uh, that would be very beneficial for the economic... I don't have to deal with you being like, hello, I'm Jesse Benz. I'm not like that. You've never used that voice for me before, ever. You normally do pie face from Dennis the Medic. That's true. Hello, I'm Jesse. This is me. Um, which I also don't sound like, but, um, but I don't know where that new voice came from. I like it. I like it. Um... This week's top five, because you're all stuck inside and you've got nothing else to do and you hate your spouses at this point. And do you reckon you're going to see more babies or more divorces when this is over? Um, both. We're going to have a lot of single mums. <laughs> <laughs> and they're my speciality, baby. Jesse's counting on it. Yeah. So seeing as you're all stuck inside, uh, we've decided to do a top five on the best current Netflix true crime documentaries, which are on Netflix. I'm going to work on the title. It's a bit lengthy specific (laughs) (laughs) so any true crime documentary whether it's film or tv series uh we're going to give you the the top five or top six technically uh so you've got something to do so you don't kill your spouse and end up in a true crime documentary people like i'll tell you what the longer i've been spending with like my partner um thing like i've noticed she does not blink blink loudly (laughs) i mean You've been locking yourself in your spare room as well, so you haven't even had to put up with her. That's where I am now. It's like my little haven. I like it in here. I don't think you've left since this all started. No, you're supposed to. You, I thought yeah. self-isolation meant just stay in a cupboard. Not not to that extreme. You're not oh, Harry Potter. Oh dear. Oh, yeah, not with that attitude. <laughs> you're saving us all. Um, <laughs> we've had a, a lovely week kind of together. We, we've, we've spoken a lot this week because we've both been playing Animal Crossing non-stop animal crossing i genuinely believe that corona has been invented by animal crossing and disney i reckon and they disney. work together um to make this happen because disney plus came out and then animal crossing came out which are both they're like two warm hugs they're so yeah. lovely and particularly animal crossing like you said we've been playing it all week since it came out whenever that was and um we've got our own little islands and we visit each other, and we give each other gifts, and it's just really nice. It's so cute. I reckon Animal Crossing was the idea, man, and then Disney's the money man to make it and happen. Disney activated, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. It's crazy. Animal Crossing is, is like the best-selling Switch game ever. Yeah. Well, it's outsold Pokemon. Yeah. That's ridiculous. But I, I don't know why. Like, obviously, I know why, because... People are like, oh, I need a new game. And their choices was either Doom or Animal Crossing. And I don't think people are really in the mood for Doom right now. <laughs> so give me a happy little island to play on and I'm set for life. Exactly. I'm doing good. I've set up my little murder room, and I? Yeah, Jesse's, Jesse's island makes everyone uncomfortable. Like We've got a, we've got a 
big group of friends and we all visit each other so it's not sad at all and uh we're all sad together it's a nice community and no one likes visiting jesse's island because he has a murder room that he's built (laughs) a murder room and a kind of eerie play not not a playground like a fun park haven't i like a theme park that uh, you didn't like very much when you came to visit i haven't visited since it's basically (laughs) neverland It's it's uncomfortable. <laughs> Never mind with bodies. So I yeah. like it. Good, good. I'm glad. But um, we should get going, shouldn't we? Do it. I happen to love the number five. I have to pick up. I'm wearing a towel. Mama, you're naked. Stop looking at me, Swan. Naked. You have until the count of five. Bam, bam. Oh, it gets me fired up every time. It's good shit. Thank you, Jesse. So, this week's top five, as I mentioned, is all about Netflix true crime documentaries. Very exciting stuff. Um, I have three picks. Jesse has three picks. Why do we have three for a top five? Because we do six. We both present a number one that we want you to vote on and pick which one is the actual canon number one for this top five. So... Do we uh, have to say that every time? Yeah, yeah. At least for... After this, I can stop. <laughs> Maybe well, the specifically next one. this episode. Yeah. So that could okay. have been the last one. All right, fine. Well, you, I didn't know that when you just said it, so I didn't treasure it like I should. Yeah. Well, you're not one for rules, are you? I'm a rule breaker, baby. Don't care for it. Um, who would like to go first? There's only one other person in the room. Uh, <laughs> uh you go first. I go first. Okay. Me and Jesse are really... Yeah, you go first. I went first last time. That's fine. We're very underprepared for this episode. We've uh, we've both had a very busy day at work, and we were just like, what should we do? And we were going to do top five serial killers, but in all honesty, podcast listens aren't great at the moment because no one's commuting. So we thought, we'll save the good stuff to bring in new listeners, and all you loyal lot will just give you something, something random. Isn't that right? Yeah, exactly. We only uh, value the people who don't care about us. Exactly. Like our fathers. <laughs> like your father <laughs> addressing his Christmas card to you from Mr. and Mrs. Curtin. Uh, your father doesn't care about you either. Don't 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 leave me alone on the island. He swans off. He literally swans off to islands at the moment. But he gifted me um, an Africa necklace um, from his last holiday. So all childhood trauma is forgiven. Oh, good time. He listens to this sometimes. Um, just for the record, my father did not abuse me. <laughs> just for a record, my daddy loves me. <laughs> Number five. Um, LA92 is my... Number five favourite... I'm not prepared for this. Is my number five favourite documentary on Netflix. I think it's still on Netflix. If Don't it's not, it. download it. Well, Jesse, let me tell you what LA92 is about. It's a, it's a documentary that came out in 2017, and it's all about the 1992 Los Angeles riots. Do you remember them? Oh, Rodney King. Rodney King, mate. Sublime wrote a song about it. He did. Miami, 29th, 1992. April 29th, 1992. Open brackets, Miami, close brackets. It starts with a police radio. Good shit. It does. So basically, this documentary is fantastic in the sense of it doesn't have any kind of narration or any kind of talking heads that you normally get with a documentary series. It's consistently, no, consisting entirely of archival footage. 
So it's just all of the news reports, all of the hand cams and all that kind of stuff. And then it just interweaves with all of the kind of press conferences and news reports and then the eventual trials to tell the story. So there's no like real journalistic bias in this because it is literally just here's the footage. We've just put it in order for you. Nice. It's very cool and it's it's very well done. There's I like the style of documentary making. There's another one that does it similar uh, called Apollo 11, which is on Netflix, but it's not about true crime, so I couldn't talk about it. But that's done the exact same way. They've got all the archival footage of the Apollo 11 launch, and they've just put it all in order and sequenced and high-resed it and made it really good, and you just go through the three days up until the launch, and it's amazing. I don't know. I just like that kind of thing. I imagine not, not your cup of tea. Uh, it, no, it's okay. I, I like that sort of thing, I suppose. I can't think of anything that I've actually seen that's like it, come to think of it. But like my number one later, um, one of the reasons I really like it is that there's no narration in it at all. I, I just, I quite like, I don't think there's narration in um, any of my ones actually, um, which is nice, isn't it? Like you have talking heads occasionally and stuff from people that are involved, but the plot just moves along with what you're seeing unfold as opposed to being spoon fed it by someone talking in the background. Yeah, definitely. And as I said, that can really give you kind of a bias when you're presenting a story because everyone's got a bias. But I just really recommend watching this documentary because it's just so well done in the sense that they even preface a lot of it by showing stuff like the, the 65 Watts riots and the, uh, the shooting of Latasha Harlins. And then it gets up to the point with Rodney King, who was famously kind of beaten by LA cops. And then that was released and it was pretty much one of the biggest miscarriages of justice because typical, it was um, American police force. So they just kind of walked free with no kind of repercussions, which go on. Rodney King was on a series of um, celebrity rehab with Dr. Drew. That's what you're contributing to this. uh, (laughs) this... (laughs) That's um, important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Why, why don't Jesse? Thanks. He's dead now, I think. Who? Rodney King. Yeah, died in 2012 by drowning. Drowning? Yeah. What did he drown on? Swimming pool. What? What do you, you mean? Why weren't there lifeguards there? Uh, a, America has swimming pools everywhere. And there's not everywhere? lifeguards for every... Yeah, like literally everywhere, Jesse. You can't even find a sidewalk. You're just falling in swimming pools the whole time. You have lifeguards at swimming pools. Not all the time, eh? What? What sort of piss poor country has these <laughs> lifeguardless swimming pools? So there's me talking about uh, Rodney King getting attacked by police officers. Not, not a peep from Jesse. Not, not a word. The minute I tell him that there's no lifeguards around swimming pools, he's, he's starting a petition. Livid. Well, he I, had... Well, oh, right, okay, I'm going to be right. He had alcohol, cocaine, marijuana, and PCP in his system and was found at the bottom of a pool. So, uh. that's the kind of pool that we're talking about. Uh, okay, like a Keith Moon pool. Yeah, like Keith Moon pool. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, everyone knows the story of Rodney King. He was beaten and all of this kind of stuff by police and pulled over for what seemed to be, like, no real reason. Um... And three of them were acquitted. Uh, I think one of them did get charged. I can't really remember now. But um, the riot lasted for six days. It killed 63 people and injured nearly 2,500 people. Like, try and wrap your head around the scale of that riot. That's 
ridiculous. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so... That is mad. Yeah, watch this documentary, because um, they do a great job of showing you each individual bit, and it's beautiful. Beautiful. Nice. I like it. I will watch that one day. Never, maybe. No, I will. I will watch that. Um, that's good. Um, <laughs> is it my turn? Jesse gets to speak, everyone. Oh, I'm starting. I'm starting with um, the one I saw least recently, and then mm. we can get into the meat later. So I'm starting with a lovely little documentary called Abducted in Plain Sight. <laughs> it's a good one. Now, um, have you watched this? Yes. Good. Um, so this is um, a film about um, a lady called Jan Broberg Felt who um, is a teenager from Idaho, who was abducted by her neighbour and close family friend, Robert Berktold, um, twice, which is just mental. So he was a paedophile and like really had the hots for her. So the first thing he does is take her when she's all young and um, like takes her away and um, gets obviously in trouble for it. But it's the parents that... This is so small town America. I love like rednecks and small town America and stuff, as we'll find out in my later pick as well. And it's just, they just wait. Like, they're like, oh, um, we waited um, like three or four days until our child didn't come home before we thought we'd better call someone. And it's like, what? I, su- I suppose like pre internet age, like, what do you do? But you'd be panicking a bit before then, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. And then, so he takes her away, gets in trouble and all that. But then he comes back and he's like, yeah, I'm really sorry I did that. Um, But my therapist has told me that I need to share a bed with your daughter um, because that'll help heal me of my problem. And they're like, yeah, sound, knock yourself out. And then the best bit of all this is while this is all happening, the kidnapper is shagging both the parents. (laughs) Both the parents. So... So he seduces the mum, which is fair enough. Like, you can sort of see how that happens, you know, if she's, like, a bit vulnerable and that. But then he's driving around with his mate who's the dad, and then he's talking about how frustrated he is at home with his wife, and he's like, I just really want someone to jerk me off. <laughs> and so, and this, the dad, like, his mate, is like, so I, uh, like, being interviewed, and he looks right at the camera, and he's like, so I gave him a hand. And it's like, what sort of charisma must this dude have had to not only like steal the daughter and get away with it but also shag both the parents it's amazing i i just say i feel like we're doing the wrong top five here this this isn't people that we admire in documentaries (laughs) but also but it's not it's not admires obviously the wrong word but um in order to get the girl (laughs) to go along with him he recorded loads of cassette tapes that pretended he was like an alien leader so the girl was hearing these tapes saying, oh, I'm an alien and you are our chosen human. So you need to be like looked after. And when the day comes, you will be alien queen or something like that. And he basically tricked this girl into thinking she was a prophet alien thing. And that's why she went along with everything. Right. And he it was like, oh, yeah, the aliens said we have to like procreate and stuff. So he got to shag her by tricking her into like all that shit. Which is obviously depraved and horrible, but it's fucking clever. <laughs> I can edit this to make you sound like the worst person in the world. <laughs> I think I'm doing a pretty good job of that <laughs> on my own. <laughs> you really um, are. But, <laughs> but it's but it's fucking amazing. And like 
how genius is it of the dude to shag both the parents as well? Because it's small town America, right? So they they're going to keep everything quiet because they're embarrassed themselves and they don't want word to get out. Like the dad is um, like owns a small business in the town that's well known and all this shit. It's just amazing. Clever dude. And I I forgot about another (laughs) bit. Do you remember, do you remember the brother of the brother of the um, pedophile is interviewed in this documentary quite a lot. Yeah. And he's so chill about his brother. He's like, my brother, he could, Fix a car like nobody's business, but I knew he was a pedophile since we was about ten. <laughs> so uh, how and how can you just be so chilled out about it? This is one of the only documentaries in my life where I've had to turn it off halfway through because I was so angry and just confused with what I was seeing that I had to return back to it later. Because so just... I went the other way. I was. <laughs> I watched um, it twice. <laughs> no, I was half watching it. Right, I was like playing a game on my Switch or whatever, and it was on. And watching it, and it wasn't until the dad went, so I gave him a head. And then I looked up, and I was like, okay, I'm going to put the switch down. <laughs> this, this now has my full attention. Just picture you leaning forward, interlacing your fingers and putting your your chin on your hands. Go it on. Was exactly, it was exactly like that. I was like, okay, this just got interesting. <laughs> I think that's the thing with documentaries. You can normally ignore the first 10 minutes of Buffer, and then there's just some of the switches, especially true crime ones. But yeah. this is... Um, yeah, there's a lot of documentaries we're going to speak about today, and they don't paint American the best light. So, to our eighty uh, percent North American listenership, sorry. Well, you say that, but I, like I said earlier, I love hillbillies. Rednecks are my thing. It's true. So, um, like I, I love them, and I've met some, and they're all lovely. Um, they're all like don't say all, don't say all. Oh, every redneck we're going to talk about today is lovely. Every redneck. Every redneck. There's a lot of love in those people's hearts. Didn't we? Ju- we literally two weeks ago did a Louis Farouk documentary review talking about redneck Nazis. Oh yeah, they were less nice. There we go. <laughs> Jesus, is the line always pointed at each other's bright ideas? <laughs> Uh, that was that. That's a joke from a previous episode. That's a callback, kids. We're hey. professionals. But uh, yeah, you can't make blanket statements like that because they will come back and bite you. I don't want to be bitten by a redneck. Exactly. <laughs> They're not all nice, Jesse. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just mind-boggling. As you say, it, it's a horrendous thing, and he's an absolutely horrible person. But the balls to pull off what he did—so clever. Not um. Yeah. Fuck it. Fine. But it's <laughs> given up. <laughs> you are allowed to like commend their genius as well as say that they're depraved and horrible. That is allowed. Is it? I think so. Okay. Ted re- Bundy was clever. Yeah. So basically, we, we are doing the top five serial and killers. Sexy. <laughs> well, I was good. There was an article that came up that was like Ted Bundy only got caught because he was a bad driver. Yeah, because he got pulled over, didn't he? Yeah, yeah that's absolutely true. So, if he'd, uh, if he'd paid more attention to traffic school, Jesse, you would have been fine. Why, why hey. do you have such an... Ad- we'll get on to serial killers in every episode, but your admiration for Ted Bundy is troubling. It's not admiration, that's the wrong word. Is it? Awe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Godlike awe. Him and uh, there's... 
<laughs> and there's a serial killer called um, Dean Call as well, who um, is a bit more of a um, hipster serial killer, you might call him. We'll talk about him one day because he's not as famous, but he's he was uh, very prolific at what he did and actually got um, got murdered by someone he was trying to kill before he was caught. So he was never actually caught for his crimes. Oh, the irony. Didn't you get a Valentine's card one year of him? Not of him. Him on no, the cover. I, <laughs> no, I, I bought Bobby a Valentine's card with Ed Gein on the cover. Ah, of course. Yeah, different one. Ed Gein's the one that wore, like, he made a belt made of ladies' nipples. Mm. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Jesse and Bobby's relationship. <laughs> I can't remember what the card said. It was something like, um, I would love to make a lamp out of your face or something. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, just a... Whenever we talk, I get flashes 15 years in the future of me in a courtroom. Understand. To relive these recordings. Hand on a Bible, just being like, oh, Jesus. So (laughs) for the future jury and uh, my attorneys, I have no part in this. I love I love the idea of that exact bit being played and you just sort of going, I thought I was so funny at the time. (laughs) (laughs) And then there's like a narrator cut freeze. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah, record scratch. You're probably wondering how I got here. <laughs> what were we talking about? Um, I don't know. Oh, um, paedophile telling the little girl she was an alien and shagging yeah. the parents. But um, we're done with that now. It's a good documentary. Go watch it. It's called Abducted in Plain Sight. <laughs> uh, we're doing what we do every single week. We fly through the first three and then get really in-depth in the final two. <laughs> that takes yeah. 40 minutes for the final two. I imagine so. It's because I don't want it to end, Max. I don't want to go back to the real world. Downstairs. You're going downstairs? With Bobby's blinking? (laughs) It's like, that's what it sounds like. Really moist as well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, we're in the wrong mood to be talking about this stuff. Yeah, we are. It's too upbeat, isn't it? And like people died. Well, not yet, but um, not in my one, but um, they will. Mine's about to, and it's about to get dark. Oh, Jesus. Mine's child murder. Oh, God. What's this one called? Um, this is Netflix documentary that came out two years ago called Casting John Bonet. And it uh, is one hell of a story, ladies and gentlemen. And this is one of the only documentary, like true crime documentaries, where you have to kind of know the case beforehand. So before you watch this documentary, kind of have a good idea of what the case is about. Because the way I'll give you a background on what happened first. So basically, John Bonet was six years old when she was killed. She was killed on Christmas Day, and she was an American child beauty queen, and her mum was a beauty queen. And so we see a we see a tie there. And child was, beauty queens are so creepy, mate. By like, the way, if you if you just uh, do a quick Google of John Bonet while I'm talking, her Wikipedia picture is one of her um, beauty queen shots, and it just freaks me out freaks me out so basically she was found dead in her home and there was a ransom note written which was three pages long and it was written on the family's uh notepad with the family's pen now the father john he found her body in the basement of the house about uh, eight hours after she'd been reported missing she had a broken skull from a blow into the head and she'd been strangled and the garret was still found tied around the neck with very intricate knots in it. And the autopsy said it was asphyxia by strangulation with the, the trauma to the head and the death was ruled as a homicide. So this has become like pop culture, crazy nationwide thing that was going on um, in part because her, you know, her mum was a beauty queen and 
I've just told you, Jesse, that she was killed in her home in the basement. She was found eight hours after she died, and they found a ransom note. Right. Do you think the family's involved? It sounds like it could be something that was, if the dad killed her or something, it was then planted by him. Well, the whole family was acquitted due to DNA. So someone was in the house and all they have is um, DNA of a white male and they don't, and it's just like a contact DNA. That's all they really have to go on. So does that mean, does that mean they've ruled out the dad or? Yeah, whole family's ruled out, whole family's ruled out. And as you delve deeper and deeper into this case and you watch the stuff, it's so fucking weird. Like the mum and dad, they never cried during the press conferences there's just like an eerie calm. The the brother gets protected like a ridiculous amount. Um, it's just there's so much to the story that is just absolutely crazy. And there's now if I kind of tell you about the documentary. So the way the documentary's filmed is in a very odd way because it's called casting John Bonet. So the way they yeah. do it is they invite people to audition for the role of John Bonet, the brother, the mum, and the dad. And they start, uh, they show these audition tapes for people. They did a casting call out to Boulder where the murder took place. And they just filmed these people auditioning to play these people. And then after the audition, they asked them, so what do you think happened or what do you think? And then they start talking in depth about the case because some people have connections to it. And some people, you know, they lived in the town, so they know what's going on. And it is hilarious. Like, this is a documentary about a little child being murdered. Some of the funniest shit I've ever seen is in this documentary, Jesse. <laughs> I, I, uh, I see you're um, sinking to my level, which is nice. There's a bit where they're doing auditions for the police captain, and there's like six police captains that are being auditioned, right? So they're doing like uh, the normal kind of testing, and they're like, my name is uh, John Moreau, and I'm here to audition for the chief constable. And then they explain what their real job is. And one guy's like, oh, I work in a in a meat factory. And the other guy's like, well, I'm part of law enforcement as well. And then this other guy comes in and he's like, uh, yeah, so uh, I'm also in law enforcement and I'm also involved in sexual training. Cut. Nice. And then they do the audition. Then they're kind of talking about the case. And they're like, yeah, so when, when they came in and the ransom note was three pages long, it was really specific. And they talk about a point where the ransom is exactly the same amount as the father's Christmas bonus that year. Exactly the same amount was the ransom that was asked for. And then they immediately cut back to the sex cop who says, uh, yeah, so I use these whips to kind of tease people and get people going, and I partake in a bit of titty grabbing, titty playing, titty stuff. It's genius. It's genius. It sounds right up my street. It's fucking is. I really want to watch this with you, and but you don't. Please watch it by yourself, because... I was laughing my ass off at some of these moments. <laughs> they interview like guys dressed as Santa, who this is one Santa's like, yeah, that mother, she's a real bitch. <laughs> just like, Fuck you know. It's just it's the most bizarre thing you'll ever see. And the way the documentary's done is through all of these kind of tapes and people's understanding and what they do. But the whole purpose of the documentary is not to really solve the crime. They give all these theories. Like, the most <laughs> legit theory is about um, a paedophile sex ring. And basically, right. the dad was kind of pimping out the kid, and then something went wrong, and there was a cover-up, is the one that makes the most sense for me well, when you research into it. 
But whenever, whenever any celebrity dies, a, a paedophile sex ring always seems to be a conspiracy attached to it. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. Every time, without fail, someone says, oh, they were involved in a paedophile sex ring, and that's why they got killed, and it was pretended to be suicide. But, but the amount that this comes up in America of paedophile sex rings is troubling. Yeah, it is. Whereabouts in America is this? This is in Boulder, Colorado. Colorado. Okay. Oh, cool. never really funny, but unintentionally funny. There's uh, a section where they're talking about how maybe the little brother did it, and he hit her in the head, and then they were just like, "We'll strangle her to get the job done, and we can't let my baby boy go to jail." Yeah. And then they did a never kind of faced a camera, and one of the women auditioning was like, "You know, a ten year old boy wouldn't have the the strength to." hit a girl with that kind of force and kill her. They then cut to these 10-year-old boys auditioning in an American psycho-style jacket trying to bash open a watermelon with a nightstick. <laughs> just just to iterate the point, and you're like, yeah, yeah, they're right. You couldn't do it. Yeah, that melon is intact. <laughs> but, yeah, but the purpose of the documentary is not to kind of give you an answer because it's an unsolved crime. It's to talk about the way crime stories are sensationalized and how people kind of view them and how people are attached to them because every single person's got their own view of what happened in this case everyone that's that was around them or connected to them they've got an idea of how these things happened so yeah. in this every theory is the truth because at the end of the documentary is a beautiful thing where they get all of the actors to reenact what they think happened while the camera pans along and every single thing is different so this documentary is all about how we react to these uh, crime stories and how we ingest them and how we spread those stories around. So it's honestly one of the best, most, I think, intentionally funny. If it's not intentionally funny, then I'm a horrible person. Um, <laughs> it's fucking brilliant. Casting John Bonet, it's on Netflix. Please go and watch it. That sounds awesome. I will definitely be watching that. You're welcome. Number two. Okay, so my number two, and I feel bad talking about this because I know you haven't watched it and I really, really want you to. Oh, is this number um, three? Well, I don't know. It's my it's my second one, which cool. makes yes. it... Number th- yes. Carry on. I'm confused. Um, I th- yeah, number three, <laughs> isn't it? Um, so, um, this one. So uh, yeah, I want you. I want you to watch this. Please do. I'm sorry if I ruined some bits. Um, this is called "Don't Fuck with Cats: Hunting an Internet Killer." It came out at the end of 2019. Um, it's about a Canadian fella called Luca Magnotta, um, who was a failed male model. Um, who, um, although that's giving it away already. Um, so a bloke uploads a video on Facebook of or YouTube or whatever, of him killing two cats, right? Two kittens. And um, these two in particular, who are sort of narrating this whole documentary, um, a lady called Baldy Movin, which is her internet name, which is a play on Body Movin by the Beastie Boys. Genie. And a chap, yeah. And a chap called John. Um, two, like, internet nerds who seem like lovely people um, see this video, they're horrified by it. So they start, they start this Facebook group of trying to identify who the hell this guy is. So they're like, looking at the room, they're like, can we identify what country that plug socket comes from? Like, who the fuck is this guy that's killing cats? It's horrible. Um, And then this guy uploads another video of him killing another cat. And they're like, shit. Um, He's like, and but he puts stuff in the room that it's like he knows that they're trying to find him and he's fucking with them, right? So like, he'll put on something and they'll, like the telly's on in the background and they'll listen. Oh, that's Russian. That sounds Russian. 
and they work it out and then it, it's a complete red herring and the guy's not Russian. And eventually they find out that this guy is in Canada. Um, but it's the fucking, it's the clues. This guy just keeps posting videos, keeps putting these little clues in. It's like an episode of Sherlock, like real life Sherlock. And he, this guy's like Moriarty, right? Like he very deliberately puts these think clues in to give you a bit of information to give you hope but then it just gets snatched away from you again you think oh no fuck he had the upper hand the whole time and then it fucking escalates and luca magnotta this canadian model um uh chats up this guy on craigslist takes him back to his flat and records him murdering this guy right like he um yeah he stabs him um and um does like sexy things with his dead body and then feeds part of him to his dog and then um, chops the body up and disposes of it. And I feel really bad for not remembering the victim's name because that's always like the bad thing, isn't it? That you talk all about these fucking horrible people, but you never talk about the poor bloke that actually died. Um, but you seem like a nice chat by all accounts. Here it is Junlin, his name was. He was a Chinese international student. I remember this story now. Do you? So you were living in Canada when yes. it happened, I think. So uh, what do you remember about it? Uh, I remember they didn't really focus on the cat stuff. They they focused on obviously the murder and the dismemberment and that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, and, and that was such high high popular news. Um, the cat stuff was rarely kind of touched upon. Yeah, well, it was sort of irrelevant at the time. Do you know what I mean? It's not. Um, it might be illegal. I don't know, but it's it's not like a imprisonable offence to kill a cat. Do you know what I mean? That's not going to make the news. But when you um, start killing humans, it gets problematic, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> but anyway, he goes on the run after he's um, killed this person. But there's, but even then, there's like these references and stuff. Like um, he like the poster that was on the wall and the T-shirt he was wearing and stuff like that. Like he's just dropping these clues all over the place. And it's just, it's brilliant. It is like, if you wrote this as a fictional like drama... You'd be like, no, it's too perfect. Like he's, uh, there's no way that a murderer would um, cover his tracks like this and tease these things really obscurely in these other videos and things like that. It's too unbelievable, but it's fucking true. And he did it. And he, it's amazing. If you haven't watched it, anyone listening, I know you haven't and you need to as well. Um, just go and watch it because he um i've spoiled a lot of it but he just the again genius i hate to say it but the genius of this dude and the stuff he was putting in these online videos is so clever and what a twisted mind to come up with it do you know what i mean yeah completely and i said this to you before air it's um it's interesting with these kind of documentaries in the sense of we said it about a couple of things and it's the same uh, thing is true for your number one as well it's like if you wrote this and you pitched this as a tv series that they they wouldn't accept it because they'd be like this this isn't how people act this isn't how people <laughs> behave but yeah. it's like this is how people act and this is how they behave they do stupid shit like this and they're, they're caricatures of themselves and it's it's baffling to the, the reality of people is, is a lot scarier than the portrayal of people. It's amazing. And the thing about Luca Magnotta, because he is, he was a, a male model and um, there was some sort of, it wasn't big, bro it was like Love Island or something like that. Canada had a version of that going on years ago and he auditioned for that and very nearly got on and didn't at the last minute. 
Didn't and he do porn as well? I remember him doing porn. Yeah, yeah, he did a little bit of um, gay porn, I think, to pay the bills. But I think um, a lot of male models do in their early days. Because they really focused on that, that he was like, um, he did like gay porn and stuff. Like, that oh, he did like... Main he did like three movies. I've done more than that. And um, <laughs> like, <laughs> he just did a few, yeah, did a few porn movies, but nothing. Um, his main thing was he was a failed male model. In fact, he tried to get, this is really interesting. He tried to get um, fame by faking. He faked a bunch of news stories that he was dating. Um, oh, what's her name? The um, fucking, um, she's uh, Carla, Carla Homolka. You know her? She's a Canadian convicted murderer. And he basically put rumours to the tabloids anonymously that Luca Magnotta was dating her, right? And then he, as himself, turned up to the Toronto Sun and said, "Um, oh, I just want to go on public record and say that someone's spreading these rumours about me and it's not true. I'm not dating this murderer. And he'd spread those rumours about himself because he was trying to make himself famous, if you see what I mean. Right. And it it sort of worked on a low key because suddenly everyone knows who Luca Magnotti is, right? And it's it's just crazy, just his pursuit for fame. And also you look at him, when you first see him in the documentary, you think, oh, he's a good looking lad. And then obviously you learn more about what he did and see him talk more in like various videos and stuff and he becomes the creepiest dude you have ever seen in your life it's amazing how just knowing getting to know someone completely changes how you physically see them do you know what i mean yeah yeah having that kind of transformation god those torontonians eh i know and canada's supposed to be so lovely but this is like crazy shit yeah but when canada goes ham canada goes ham like i remember when i was living over there and there's the the infamous story that still talked about today is the the guy who gets his himself beheaded on a greyhound bus holy shit they ever make it over here so basically um i think it was like calgary to alberta which is a really long trip and it was on a greyhound uh, bus which is like one of the only ways you can get around in canada because they don't have a train system and um while the guy was sleeping this guy with a machete just beheaded him and waved the head around and was like locked in the bus and thrown it around and like every single time i was like traveling around canada i'd travel by greyhound and everyone every time would crack the joke for like oh don't fall asleep every time <laughs> nice no so i never made it home. over here but i'm gonna spread the word thank you i hope you do just spread it spread it out to people so i've got a weird cat sex story that happened in my life Oh, good. Do you have cat aids? I do not know. Um, this was one of my first real ever assignments um, at university for like one of my journalism things. You had to was... fuck a cat? <laughs> no, Jesse. Let me finish my story. <laughs> so obviously we were kind of in si- on assignment to find new stories around Cats Cheltenham. All right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so lucky I edited the podcast. <laughs> isn't it? So I was finding cats too far. And... <laughs> So, like, we had to find these assignments, and one of the stories, uh, I think this was around race week, uh, and it was around my area where you live now, uh, a story of a cat who got raped and beaten in the head with a rock and was, like, recovering at this veterinary place in Cheltenham. And that it was, was still like, alive! Still alive. Fucked it, beat it with a with a rock when he was Did drunk. You? and <laughs> <laughs> I was covering it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Um, and yeah, that was like one of my first ever introductions into journalism. I had covered a story about a cat being raped. Amazing. Baptism by fire. Yeah. You, you don't think that's how your career is going to start. <laughs> Baptism by cat rape. And now full circle, here we are. 
Here we are. There was no raping of cats in this, just um, death. So he killed in the first video. Do you know how he killed the cats in the first video? Of course I don't. He put them in um, one of those um, like vacuum suck bags, and just sucked all the air out of it. Jesus. Yeah, brutal. That's psychotic. Yeah. Obviously. Then he, um, in another video, he puts the cat down and then um, puts a fucking boa constrictor down with it. Who, who has a boa constrictor knocking about? Yeah. Wow. Lots of people have very weird animals knocking about. Yeah, I suppose. But it's, yeah, that's a weird one. But um, but yeah, do anyway, do watch this, please. Um, you specifically, Max, because you will love it. <laughs> I don't like your tone. <laughs> what? You, you, you especially will love it. <laughs> you will. Good. Okay. Um, wonderful. We're we're on to our number one. Your number one. Well, this is the part of the show where we present our number ones together. But yes, I am going first. I'm gonna lose out to yours. I don't even want to bother. Well, yeah, mine's. I've picked mine because it's all fresh in everyone's minds, and it's the most memeable thing in the world right now. So um, I'm definitely going to win. But go on, try your best. <laughs> and mine sounds so boring when you start out, but this is honestly one of the greatest documentaries I've ever watched. It, it's just, it's genius, and it's so hard to get people to watch it because when I start describing it, you're instantly going to tune out. So this is a true crime documentary, but it's also about sport as well. And it's about the exciting world of amateur cycle racing. But <laughs> So basically, this documentary is all about a guy who wants to understand the option of doping to win an amateur cycling racing. And he wants to do it on the same dosage style that uh, Lance Armstrong did that went undetected for, for years. Because this was around the time that that major international doping scandal happened. Good role model to have if you want to be a doping cyclist. It's someone who gets away with it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So the whole reason this guy started this documentary was just to, you know, see if he could go under the radar, do the same level of doping and not get caught. And then the end of the documentary, he'll expose like, this is why people weren't getting caught. And this is the issue with the system. What he actually exposes is a worldwide phenomenon that has had massive knock-on effects for years to come. So while he's investigating doing illegal doping and he's doing it he's finding it really hard to kind of keep up and understand how it all works so he ends up connecting with a russian scientist called gregory roger roger yeah that and he is the director roger of Lloyd pack <laughs> is he a... doing it with trigger <laughs> hang on i'll get this it's gregory rodjinkov nailed it ah russian fluent he is the director of Russia's National Anti-Doping Laboratory. I so know. He, so he, I know him quite well. <laughs> so he comes up with this plan for him to be like, this is what you need to do to avoid detection for drug testing. Um, and that's how they prove it works. As he continues his training, these two become quite good friends and they're talking over Skype every day and they're checking dosage and stuff. And then Gregory reveals that Russia has this state-sponsored Olympic doping program that he oversees. So your right. documentary has just gone from, holy shit, I'm just trying to do a documentary about me trying to shoot up for Lance Armstrong, and I've just uncovered that Putin is sponsoring Olympic doping. You'd right. be like, fucking hell, that's huge. So then this guy, he kind of releases this as he goes on and just, he, he gives up the cycling thing and he's like, well, this is much more interesting a story now. 
So they have to fly Gregory to the United States because he's afraid for his life at this point. And you're like, that's just crazy Russian, you know. They don't actually get whacked over there. Within a week of him being there, his best friend, who also works with him, suddenly goes missing and then is discovered after having a quote-unquote heart attack. And Gregory's there like, that's fucking bullshit because he has no heart conditions. The Russian government knocked him off. And then there's all this stuff about them investigating his labs over in Russia and all of the shutdown stuff. Then they start flying uh, Brian, who's the the doping guy. They He has to now testify in front of the US Department of Justice. Bearing in mind, he just wanted to do an amateur cycling race, and he is now giving evidence to the US Department of Justice in regards to Russia's involvement in the Olympics. And all of this just keeps coming out, and it gets crazier and crazier, and they start talking about how they do the steroid-tainted urine swap-outs, and they avoid the detection. They uncover all of these spreadsheets and emails, and basically it happens to the point of when Russia got banned from the Olympics for all these doping scandals. All of that happened because of this documentary. That's crazy. And it is just unbelievably insane. It just doesn't stop because you're there with Gregory when he can't see his wife, he's fearing for his family. Dude has to get put into witness protection. It's just, it's mind-boggling, and it's just, me telling you the story does not ruin it in the sense of not being able to enjoy it, because it is just one thing after another, and you just, we all make jokes about how Russia is as a country, and this documentary confirms how Russia is as a (laughs) a country. Yeah, scary motherfuckers. Isn't it weird that we were so tight with them in the war? So tight. And look, look, look what's happened. I mean, Russia's a great ally to have in any war. Like, oh god, yeah. You don't beat Russia, so let's make friends with them. Anything else? Nah. <laughs> Not a no. fan. But um I don't highly recommend girls are quite hot. <laughs> Just their cam girls? Are we talking prostitutes the whole world? I... Or... Yeah, I don't, I don't know really. I've never got that in depth with it, but they're cam girl. I was thinking earlier, if you're a cam girl or boy, um today, like now, is a great time, right? Yeah. Are you thinking of getting yourself a, an OnlyFans or something? I'd, yeah, I might do. Chatterbait, that's a good site. <laughs> I never want to stumble across your Chatterbait. <laughs> You'll be like uh, in Billy Madison, <laughs> the bus driver. Bye, boys. <laughs> in Billy Madison, when he just like takes <laughs> yeah, exactly off his shirt. That, Chris Farley. You, you are the Chris Farley of Kangos. That Cam is Girls. correct. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, beautiful. So that's my number one. It is honestly one of the greatest documentaries I've ever watched in my life. Um, I I love documentaries, and this is just one of them. It sounds so boring as a concept, and it took me so long to watch it because I knew how good it was. Everyone kept telling me. Uh, So I put it on my list, and I was just I'm not in the mood for sport or doping or cycling. I don't care. (laughs) And then I put it on on a Sunday, and I was like, good fuck. And then I watched it again. It's that good. Wow, nice. What's it called again? It's called Icarus. Icarus. Okay, I can and remember it's, uh, that. It's that bloke that flew to the sun, didn't it? Exactly. It's a Netflix special, so it's uh, definitely on there. <laughs> so yeah, I kept saying, I deleted that when I was talking about my last one. I was like, and you can find it on Netflix. And it's like, yeah, obviously you can. That's what we're doing. <laughs> I've said it at least three times. <laughs> right. Um, can I do my number one? Uh, you can, even though it's technically cheating. Why is it cheating? Because it's one of the greatest things to ever come out. Like, when we talk about coronavirus, we're going to talk about the impact it had on our economies, the future of politics, 
how we're going to move forward as a nation and this series. Yeah, and Animal Crossing. And Animal Crossing. So this is my number one. You can find it on Netflix and it is called Tiger King. Did you get that? I did. It was beautiful. Good. So um, Tiger King is um, about a chap called Joe Exotic, who I've kind of got obsessed with over the last week. Um, He runs a tiger sanctuary slash private zoo thing um, where people come and they get to pet cubs, cub pets, I was about to say, um, pet cubs and sort of see tigers and stuff. And he just hangs out with them and and he hires prisoners, ex-prisoners and stuff to and get them back on their feet and all this shit. All seems all right at first, and then you slowly realise that Joe Exotic is a crazy person. Now, he is um, in direct competition with a lady called Carol Baskin, and um, Carol Baskin runs a sanctuary as well for tigers, but she goes for a much more of a... uh, We're saving tigers, you know, that we don't touch them or go near them and all this. They're in a big rivalry with each other. Um, to the point where Joe Exotic is um, posting internet videos and stuff saying, yeah, fuck you, Carol Baskins. And you sort of go, oh, poor Carol Carol Baskins. And then after a couple of episodes, it becomes clear that Carol Baskins probably murdered her first husband, who was a very rich dude who just went missing one day and no one knows what happened. And it's like, if only there was some sort of big cats lying around that could very easily eat bodies, right? And um, like, there's this bit, isn't there? Where do you remember the bit where Joe Exotic is um, um, in the cage, and one of the tigers grabs his sh- feet and tries yes. to drag him away, and he's like, um, oh, "That motherfucker must have um, put perfume on my shoe." <clears throat> and Carol Baskins is like, um, "Oh, that's ridiculous! If you were going to, um, if you were going to get a tiger to eat a person, you'd probably cover them with." Um, Oh, I don't know. Um, like sardine juice or or something. <laughs> like she, she almost she almost like looks directly at the camera. Like I just it's sardine juice or something like that that I definitely didn't cover my husband in. And like it's just crazy. And but Joey uh, and there's also a guy called Doc who is just running this cult where he just hires like teenage girls and shags them all in order to. Um, so basically, one thing I've learned from this documentary is tigers and a bit of meth get you a whole lot of um, pussy or cock, depending on your sexual preference, right? Yep. And um, so Joe Exotic is a gay man. He has two husbands through most of this, most of the series. And um, they were both straight. But Joe Exotic had tigers and he had meth. And that was enough to turn these dudes. I'm gay for tigers and meth. Not paying guy for t- gay for tigers and meth. Yeah. And his, his, mate, his first husband, the um, guy with loads of teeth missing... Um, looks like a sort of happy shopper version of Batista. He does. I've seen the memes going around <laughs> and I feel bad. He does. He's got some proper teeth now. I saw a picture, uh, a oh, recent picture. He got real teeth. Power to him. That's awesome. Good for him. I thought he was kind of beautiful in a hideous way. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Me too. I like that he did all of his interviews shirtless. Topless. Yeah, he's proud. He's proud of his look, isn't he? That, um, that documentary maker was probably the most lax person in the world. There's one bit, I think it's in the final episode, where the the gunman for hire starts, they start the interview, and then he starts running a bath, and then he sits in the bath, in his shorts, <laughs> and then just does like a little 30 second piece to camera. Yeah, it's yeah, it's lovely. But Joe Exotic, who like is the main takeaway from this whole thing, he is now in jail for 22 years for cons- like attempting to hire a hit on Carol Baskins, basically. And 
it's up for debate how serious this hit was and how he was really, if he was really planning to go through with it. And 22 years is a long ass time for this, that sort of thing. And I think Joe Exotic is kind of a lovely man in a weird way. And I feel bad that he's in prison for such a long time. So he um, ran for governor as well of Oklahoma. And um, they sort of cover all that. when he's So he's this really charismatic, gay, redneck sort of guy. And he's so proud of what he is. And that's kind of the endearing part. Like, he's um, super charismatic. And, yeah, he sort of seduces men with meth. Yeah, he, like, probably kills tigers and keeps them in squalid conditions. But he's quite cheeky with it. And But anyway, he um, he runs for governor of Oklahoma or something. And he doesn't win. And they act like, oh, it was a complete washout. He got barely any votes. They show you how many votes he got. He got 19%. Yeah. Nearly a fifth of the state voted for him. Yeah. That's insane. It's so weird. Like, everybody in this fucking documentary, man, like every episode is just one after another of just, there can't be another weirdo. Oh, wait, there's another one. There's not a single, like, yeah, what I like about it is uh, that every single Tiger Keeper that's interviewed in this has the attitude of like, oh, I'm really glad that you're interviewing me for this documentary because I know there's a lot of um, mental people who keep tigers and at least I'm here to show you we're not all crazy. <laughs> like, that's like the attitude that all of them have. But yeah. they're all batshit insane. And it's so troubling. And um, Jeff Lowe, who is like the undoing of the of the Tiger King, Jeff Lowe is an absolute psychopath. Oh God, you can't even. Yeah, like he he's not introduced until the last couple of episodes, but he's like, yeah, he's something else. Like he's just cold, isn't he? He is just conniving, and he set this whole thing up. Like just just to get that park, he did yeah. all of this. Yeah, super cold and. Um, uh, what else was I going to say? Oh, Carol Baskins. Like, when the series started, I actually thought Carol Baskins was all right. I was like, oh, okay, she seems to be on the right side. She's like, like one of my favourite places in the world is a place called Monkey World, which I've been to you with, Max. Yes. And um, it's um, it's a proper sanctuary in England for monkeys, and they really look after them and sort of rescue these m- monkeys that are in bad way. And so, so I thought Carol Baskins was like the tiger version of that. And I was like, oh, no, that's cool. And then very quickly you realise that her... Um, sanctuary is no better than Joe Exotics or the Doc Colty guy. Um, she doesn't. She takes advantage of people in just the same way. She the whole place is run by volunteers who just like years. want to kiss her fucking feet. Yeah, who never get paid a penny. I mean, at least Doc pays the women he's shagging a little bit of money, and Joe Exotic pays his stuff. Like it's and she's horrible and the first time i realized i really want her dead is when i saw that she opens every oh sorry no um the first time i realized i didn't like her was um this is when... how joe exotic got in joe say brief should broadcast these things um is um when she opens every single one of her internet videos with hey you call cats and kittens <laughs> then jesse just saw red oh, she man. must die <laughs> it's so annoying opening every video like that just made me clench and um, Joe Exotic does music as well we haven't even got into his fucking country music man. we haven't gone into so, it a lot mate so apparently um, it's not him singing the music which is heartbreaking for what? me it was yeah so why did you take that away from me I know well it was taken away from me and I need to share the pain so um, so yeah this so right this documentary is so crazy they didn't even have time to fit in this so Joe Exotic um, claims to be this country singer 
who's like writing all these songs, including a diss piece on Carol Baskin, which is amazing. When the whole song, I think it's called um, Here Kitty or something. And it's a song all about how Carol Baskin's murdered her husband. And they've got a lookalike of her in the video. It's worth watching on YouTube. It's just insanely brilliant. But um, that I'm so gutted. None of this music's on Spotify, by the way. Yes, I've looked. Um, but it's... Um, but, he yeah so he paid for um someone else to record a bunch of songs that were going to be used in the reality show that never was all about him oh yes and um and so these songs were just in joe's possession written for the reality show but um never never used for the show because the show didn't exist so he just mimed to them and passed them off as his own and he owned them so what could the original writers and performers do that's mad it's crazy, isn't it? Well, the reason the, the reality show didn't happen is because there was a, an arson fire blowing up the production place uh, and killing all the alligators. And yeah, which Joe Exotic probably did. Probably did. And do you know who those alligators belong to? Who? Michael Jackson. Really? Yep. Oh, they didn't, well, they didn't mention that in the doc. I know. There's Why a lot to they... delve into this. That... That, oh, <laughs> I, don't know, I, don't know, I don't know why that's made me sadder. But it's, <laughs> but that's no, you're not questioning why Michael Jackson has alligators. I guess Neverland makes sense. They eat clocks. Yeah, they already have clocks in them and that TikTok. I watched Peter Pan on Disney Plus the other day for only the gazillionth time of my life, but I do love it. The physical comedy animation of Captain Hook with the crocodile on several occasions um is just genius so ahead of its time do you remember at the end when um the crocodile tries to eat him but snaps him shut and then captain hook is skipping like a stone across the water yeah do you remember that i really like that someone in like the 50s this film was made right and someone in the 1950s had the foresight in the sound studio to go okay we've got this audio of captain hook screaming but as he's skipping like a rock let's just cut in and out the audio so that every time he hits the water it just goes ah, but, but, like that <laughs> I, I just love that someone in 1950 thought to do that isn't that lovely and you are giving them more acknowledgement than they've probably ever gotten yeah they deserve it they're fantastic the sound people of old disney films i know that you love the peter pan stories in the series but i've never asked who you relate more to is it peter or captain hook well i think or is it tinkerbell <laughs> uh, no i i i see i want different things in tinkerbell but um <laughs> It's Gross. like, but we, <laughs> but we all, um, we all sort of, I think um, I see a bit of myself in every character in Peter Pan. And that's why I like it so much. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I, on one hand, I never want to grow up. But on the other hand, I hate other people that don't want to grow up. <laughs> so I'm sort of, I'm a bit of both. You're very torn. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. But anyway, Joe Exotic. Um, I first, um, knew of Joe Exotic from a Louis Theroux documentary linking back to a couple of episodes ago when we did Louis Theroux documentaries. Oh, Louis man. Theroux did a yep. Louis Theroux did a um World's Most Dangerous Pets documentary and Joe Exotic was featured in it at the time. But he actually comes across quite well in it, I thought, in the Louis Theroux documentary. Like you go, oh this guy's really eccentric, but he's quite fun, you know, and he seems to care about the tigers. But you only get like 20 minutes of him in the Louis Theroux documentary. And once you've got a few hours like you do on this one you realize there's a lot more to unfold i but he's he's one of those people that is so goddamn charismatic that even by the end of it i went he's not that bad 
Yeah, it's it's weird, isn't it? There's even a bit when he's fucking one of his members of staff gets her arm bitten off yeah. by a fucking tiger. And not only so there's a telling so that happens, and then you see him being filmed, and the first thing he says, which is obviously the only thing on his mind, is I'm financially ruined. I'm financially ruined. Do you like my Joe Exotic? You're I'm getting better. Ruined. Getting better. Yeah. By next I, week. I, I tell you, I wrote those songs. <laughs> and um <laughs> Uh, but no, so he's like, I'm financially ruined. And um, he's gutted about that. And then he walks into the gift shop and where everyone is. And he's like, just to let y'all know, uh, my one of my members of staff just got her arm bitten off. So if you want if you want 10% discount on your tickets, that can be arranged. <laughs> it's like, maybe all these people, all these people in the gift shop are just staring at him like, what the fuck? Like they look like a dog that's been shown a card trick. And then um, there's not only that, but then this girl who got her arm bitten off, she was back at work the next fucking week. And yeah. like, and because she loves Joe and she loves the place and was under the spell, if you know what I mean. So she was like, no, I've got to be back and do my thing. They all were like, uh, I always remember the uh, the campaign manager when he's running for governor. Uh, what's the name? Josh. He's, yeah. <laughs> he opens the, the thing by saying, I was... Um, Joe Exotic's campaign manager, and it was the worst experience of my life. But by the <laughs> end of the documentary, dude's almost in tears talking about him. Yeah, he still loved Joe. Like, everyone everyone seems to... Everybody who worked with Joe seems to love Joe. Um, with the exception of I think uh, the guy with the long blonde hair um, went off him a bit towards the end, don't you? Because he seemed to genuinely love the Tigers in a way none of the others did. God, that was like that. Was, that bit made me really sad at the end when the he's forced to leave the zoo, and you can tell he's back on the drink and the drugs, and he's just yeah. out of it and not there. That that was sad. Yeah, yeah. I should check in on him. I think he's, we should do he's a doing all right. He is. Um, oh, is he? He's flipping burgers and he's doing all right. Oh, good. That's right. I like the guy with no legs. He was the smartest one in the whole thing. Yeah, another dude who works on the zoo uh, with no legs, but he had awesome fake legs with like clown prints on and stuff. If I had no legs, I'd want to be like that. And um, yeah, they were all nice. I, but that's another thing about this. Like, it's and all these documentaries, what really makes these documentaries is the cast of characters, right? Like, it's like a fucking sitcom. Like, you get to know them all individually, they've all got their quirks, and like, you sort of fall in love with them a bit. Yeah, like you just get attached to them. They're all, they're all batshit, and they keep introducing people, but you love them nonetheless. Except for Carol Baskins, you hate Carol. Except Baskins. Carol Baskins, stupid bitch. Hey, you, Catherine Kim. And um, <laughs> this is you, Carol. <laughs> and her fucking husband's a cuck. Oh, he is. Well, you have What's to be a cuck? a cuck if you don't want to get murdered by tigers. Yeah, I suppose so. That fucking wedding picture when she's got him on a leash and he's in like leathers and stuff, and then. Um, and he's just sitting there, isn't he? And he loves just hearing her talk about, like, um, bad shit and stuff. He's like, oh, tell me more, Carol, about what you did with that sardine juice. <laughs> yeah, so fucked up. So fucked up. Yeah. So a Doc as well, um, the Doc guy, I'd previously seen him and thought he was all right. And I'm really sad now, knowing that he basically runs a cult. Because have I ever shown you the YouTube video of a chimp that makes friends with a dog? No. Right, there's this chimp, right? And he made friend with Doc. And uh, he's, it's this lovely little monkey. And um, a stray dog finds its way onto the ground. It's like this eight-minute video on YouTube. And it's just like this documentary is just showing how the monkey becomes best friends with the dog. And they're thick as thieves and it's lovely. And they're hanging out every day. And the dog clearly loves the chimp and the chimp loves the dog. 
they're having a lovely time and it's his fucking park so he's interviewed in it sort of saying oh, yeah it's crazy that uh, this dog and chimp made friends and i was like oh that place looks lovely and then so the first episode starts and i turn to bobby and go oh here he's all right i like him and then, <laughs> and then all that, yeah exactly and that aged like milk and all this shit goes down but yeah, so I uh, was wrong about him. But it is a lovely clip of this monkey and his... Um, I think everyone's dog. learning listening to this. Jesse is a terrible judge of character. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I still love... I'm standing by Joe Exotic. I still love him. Yeah, me too. i got to be honest. Like, the rest of them are way worse. Like, when they're showing clips of uh, Joe when he's younger and he opens the part for the first time, he's basically Carol Baskins. He just wants yeah. to do good and all of this, but the money and the power got to him. Yeah, narcissism and be, his hunger for fame and stuff all fucked him up. But yeah, he definitely um, went down the wrong road. But he did start with a lot of love in his heart, I think. The person that I l- not love, the person who is the most normal is the ex-mafia guy who went to prison for like multiple murders who the movie Scarface is based on. They oh, interview geez, him. yeah. I forgot uh, about him. Well, they stop interviewing him because he's so normal. And he's just like, <laughs> the when he, he casually talked about a guy's throat getting cut open by a buzzsaw, like, yeah, that was a normal day occurrence. And um, yeah, yeah, by the way, true. I just called him the most normal person in the documentary. <laughs> yeah, and he really is. You're right. Yeah, I like that he was like, yeah, I killed people and um, sold loads of drugs and stuff. But it was just a feed my monkey habit. <laughs> <laughs> it's mental. But this is one of the most popular popular documentaries going at the moment. Like you kind of, this is similar to when uh, Making a Murderer came out. Yeah, it's just that same level of just everyone's talking about it. But I know some people still haven't watched it, and you try and explain it, and you can't because you're like, it's it's really not about the tigers at all. Like no. one of my friends was like, I can't watch it because I don't like seeing animals. You know, if it's a whole documentary about animals in captivity, I'm not going to like it. And I'm like, it's really not about the tigers. It's not, but that's kind of the point, isn't it? It should be, but it isn't. Yeah. Like yeah. the tigers are the last thing on anyone's mind in this. They're so, just a tool for fame. Yeah, so every every morning at work we have like our little stand up get togethers um, over over Zoom to talk about what we're doing for the day. The past four mornings have started off with us talking about this documentary. Ah, oh, good. That's how like just constant it is, and we're still trying to convince people to watch it. So uh, if me and Jesse haven't done it, there's no hope for you. It's uh, it's seven episodes long. You've got nothing else to do with your time. Slap it on. It's brilliant. You'll di- and you'll discover so much from it. Like the, the meme game that's come from this documentary is insane. The Joe Exotic music is wonderful. Um, the music videos that you could go and watch and enjoy on YouTube in full. Just there's so much that this documentary gives you. And I pray for a season two. And I pray it's all about bringing down Jock. Uh, sorry, Doc and uh, Jeff. What's his name? Jeff. Yeah, I can't remember. Jeff Lowe. Jeff Lowe, that's it. But yeah, I hope that um, he gets parole soon, Joe Exotic, and gets out. Because 22 years for trying to murder a murderer seems, well, the, <laughs> seems like quite a lot. Well, the thing is, like, it, really, it wasn't about the murder charge. Like, yes, he was found guilty on both counts, but they knew how flimsy that case was. So they piled on all of this animal cruelty stuff. So they just they were determined to get him in prison. Yeah, and because Carol Baskins is a multi-multi-millionaire because she murdered her millionaire husband, um, she she's going to win any legal battle in the world because that's how it works, right? You could just keep throwing money at it until um, until you win, until the other guy runs out of money, basically. Yeah, and that's, that's the legal system. Yeah. Poor so, Joe. poor Joe, we're we're pulling poor for Joe. you, buddy. 
We're gonna send you this tape in prison. Can you can you say this is this is Joe and you're listening to the Got Till Five podcast? <laughs> hey, so this is Joe Exotic and you're listening to the Got Till Five podcast with Max and Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and that's the clip that's going on <laughs> social media. Good. That's um, I think uh, that's a perfect impression. I love it. So there's six documentaries. Let's just run down them very quickly. I picked 1972. Uh, no, LA 72. LA you don't even know what it's called. <laughs> LA 92. Jesse, what was your one? Um, my next one was Abducted in Plain Sight. Excellent. Then I followed up with Casting John Bonet. Then I trumped it with Don't Fuck With Cats. And my number one was Icarus. And my number one was Tiger King. So make sure you go to the Twitter polls and vote for your favourite. Don't know why we need to do one, because I know what's going to win. Because um, it's cycling doping versus a man who's a Tiger King. He's not only a Tiger King. He's a meth lord. He's a gay king. He's a governor running man. There's nothing this man can't do. He's a country music star. Jesus. I, I've decided that I love gay southern rednecks because they're such an oxymoron of themselves. It just, all of the pieces just shouldn't fit together, but they do. And it's just the most glorious thing you can watch. He's brilliant. I love his, um, when he was running for governor, his opening line in his like PSA, in his like governor video thing was like, I'm gayer than a three dollar bill. I never wear it a suit and no one takes my gun away from me. <laughs> it's like, oh, that guy's got my vote. Fuck, we didn't mention about the most awkward. So basically really horrible moment in the documentary very, very quickly. Um, his husband, like really good looking dude from California, but he right. loves the meth. Like, yeah. my God, the muscles, Jesse. Rippling. Ripley. But, um... <laughs> I'll be oh, nice. Jigs. I'll be nice. So basically he blows his brains out in front of this other dude and it's caught on camera and it's fucking weird. But the weirdest part is the eulogy that Joe gives at the funeral. Oh God, yeah. The, his mother is sitting in the front row, her newly departed 23-year-old son, whatever, in front of this Ooh, man. She's, she's definitely a meth head as well, by the way. Oh God, yeah. She was twitching throughout. Yeah. Um, right. And she's listening to a eulogy by her son's widow, who is twice his age. And all Joe talks about is his wonderful golden balls, like his golden testicles. Balls that he would hang in his face when Joe was trying to work. He'd be like, I'd be trying to get some work done and those balls is flapping my face. <laughs> <laughs> and then, he's, then he does a song. Then he yeah, does he does. Song. But that, that gives it away as well. Because if you watch that, now knowing that it's not him that does the music, he's fucking miming. He's like miming to the uh, backing track. The backing track has the vocals on it as well. Amazing. And this is the perfect example of why documentaries are the best study of human character because you could take that scene and it would be like a weird spoof sitcom scene that would get loads of laughs, but you're like, no, that's that's just someone in real life. <laughs> Mental. I love it. I feel like um, Southern America is my spiritual home. I need to go back there. I think you do. I think you belong there. I do. So that is the top five true crime Netflix documentaries which you can enjoy during isolation. Never episode done, Jesse. It's been a it's been it's been it's been an episode. It's been an episode. We did an episode. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me, Jesse. Thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Where can they go if they want all of the got to fired goodness? Well, if you want to get your information on the got to five, um, 
on those internets, you gotta go to uh, gotofi.com. Uh, you have to do a whole podcast like that next time. Oh, God, it kills my throat. Like, I, I want to cough my guts up now just from doing that. <laughs> I'm proud of you. I appreciate it. Thank um, you. We'll I be back in... for this podcast. You do. Suffer for your We'll be back in two weeks' time. Make sure you do head over to the socials for kind of communicating and all that kind of stuff. And we will be heading off to our happy little Animal Crossing Islands now. And it's going to be magical. I imagine we will. Stay safe, everyone. We love Stay you. Stay safe. Goodbye. Good night. Love you. What? Mwah. Mwah.